we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Well, greetings, church. It is so good to be here with you in the house, online, at the bridge, and in the sanctuary. We are so glad that you are here. My name is Cheyenne Davis, and I get to hang out here on staff at Pathway Church. And I just have to say, an echo of the song, it's going to be okay. I'm going to go ahead and warn you, today we're going to be talking about grief. And I know that some of you have experienced some very deep loss. And for you, as soon as we say the words grief, you're like, oh, I'm out. I got something to go do. I think I hear my car alarm. For some of you, maybe you haven't really lost anything in your life ever before. And so for you, this moment that we're going to take together is an invitation to look around you and see if there's someone that you can come alongside in their personal journey of grief because God's people are hurting, angry, divided, and restless, and it's more visible than ever before. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm just saying it's more visible because of all the platforms that we have to communicate a message. We can look around everywhere and see grief happening. And I think what's really interesting, and we're going to be talking about storms specifically to your entire life, and also a little bit of pandemic. And what I think about this last year and a half, what I think is super fascinating, is that we all experience the exact same storm, and yet what the storm took from us, and how we're understanding God in the process of it, looks different from person to person, right? And you know what, maybe some of you are here and you just aren't really sure about following Jesus or this whole God thing, and that's okay. You are in great company. We all know what it's like to wrestle with this idea of God, God's goodness, in the midst of all the bad that's happening. So if this is you, maybe you're not seeing how people understood God in this last year or through their personal storms of their life, but maybe I bet you can look at them and say, gosh, you're really coping with this a little bit differently than I am, right? And I think that's why we see so many differences is because each one of us cope differently in the tension of the storm. And so we've created this rhythm that we're going to be looking at a psalm. It's going to be Psalm 46, but we're also going to be in parallel with David's story. And we're going to learn some coping mechanisms from David. God did a lot of great things through David, but coping with the storms that David faced and coping with the storms that David carried, and coping with the, some of the storms that even David created, he did a really good job because God was always his refuge. And so for you, if you're in the house, and you're still just figuring out how you're going to make it through these next 30 minutes because your loss is so deep, I'm going to invite you just to rest in the presence of God. He is your shelter. He is your refuge. And it's going to be okay not because of what you bring to the table, because of what God brings to the table through you. You're not alone. And the storms that we've been looking at in David's life, the first week we were taught about humility, right? The second week we were taught about patience. Anybody that has children or if your grandparents in the house, you all know that you never have to pay for, pray for patience because it's always going to be like a buffet. Like God's given you ample opportunities to learn patience, right? 
And today we're going to be talking about the topic of grief, but we're going to have a question that we're going to shape our time together. And the question is, how do we grow in the storm when grief is our companion? And church, grief is something that I think we all have in common. You can call it what you want. You can call it loss, disappointment, anger over this last year, frustration, a bad diagnosis. Call it whatever you want. None of us are a stranger to disappointment and loss in our life. And when we experience those things, it has the tendency to bring up some grief. And now it's important for us to learn how to positively cope with the negativity that stirs in our lives from storms. Because if we just negatively deal with the storms in our, of our life, you know what it creates? Just more negativity. And I think the world around us, and I think even our own spirits, could handle being able to deal just a little bit better. And David did this well. I'm going to share some moments that I absolutely failed at it. But David, what God did through David was really amazing. But let's just kind of ground ourselves where we're at. And again, just rest. And whatever grief or frustration you have, I invite you just to rest in the uncomfortability of being still. Grief can absolutely indicate the loss of a loved one. A lot of us know what it's like to say goodbye to the one person that we never wanted to say goodbye to. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know what it's like to be sitting in a waiting room or by a hospital bed praying for healing and restoration. And then you know what it feels like when your prayer isn't answered and then you just have to start really wrestling with this concept that, okay, God didn't say Yes, to hear, but he also didn't say no. Healing, restoration, togetherness, that's still a yes. It just doesn't happen on the side of eternity. And that is a bear that we will all have to fight at some point in our life. It doesn't matter how, how strong your faith is. It's a bear that we will fight. And you know, for some of you that just, anytime you lose someone and you're not really sure about God, when you hear about God's goodness, it just makes you mad. Like, how can a God take something so wonderful away from me? You can't even get past the point of being mad to seek refuge in something that you're not even sure of. Church, grief is such a bully. Grief is a bully. It makes you confront things that you don't want to confront. It makes you face things that you don't want to face. And times when you just want to be left alone and you just want to feel better. And so many times when we have grief well up in our lives, we have a few options. And I think probably most of you have heard of it. We've talked about it before. Uh, but we can fight it and say, nope, this is not my reality. I refuse to accept it. We can fly away from it. That's what I did a lot of. And say, nope, I'm not going to deal with this ever. Or we can freeze in it. But I think what God is trying to show us through David's story is that we have a fourth option. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can face it. You and I know that comfort is truly temporary. But growth 
has eternal potential to do something amazing in our lives. We just have to step outside our comfort zone and sit in our sadness and our brokenness. So I'm going to kind of read Psalm 46 for you, and this is where we're going to be at today. And if you haven't read the story of David, I really encourage you to do so, because David is as human as as human gets, right? Most of us know the story of David and Goliath, which is remarkable evidence that God can use the underdog to do something amazing in the world. And David's life is full with absolute triumphs, immeasurable faith, and he's able to practice immense self-control. But what we're picking up today in David's story, he has also experienced immeasurable grief, absolute failure, and he has been a victim of his own lack of self-control. David is no stranger to grief at all. Let me read Psalm 46 to you. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Don't you love it when you come to church and someone just reads to you? Did anybody kind of doze off in the middle? <laughs> it's totally okay if you did. But listen, David is accredited to writing all of the psalms. That's 150 psalms, right? How long would it take me and you to come up with like 150 coherent thoughts? I'm not even sure if I've ever possessed 150 coherent thoughts. But what David is doing right here in the psalms is modeling something very key for us. And Psalms is such a beautiful book. I encourage you to read that as well because it truly is a book that is dedicated to the celebrations and the praises and the struggles that people have. But it all points to the overarching goodness of who God is but also acknowledges the underbelly of humanity. Has anybody in here been victim to the underbelly of humanity before? I think all of us could probably say a little bit of a yes to that. But what David is modeling for us here, and in the senior message notes, Number one is to create space for grief. When you've experienced a loss, create space for grief. And so we're going to do that right now. We're just going to think about maybe all the ways that we could be grieving. You know, we talked about a loved one. That could absolutely be it. Maybe you lost someone during the pandemic and you were unable to be at their side and you are mad. That's grief. Or maybe... Maybe there is something that you wanted to say to someone or do with someone and that someone's no longer here anymore. And you regret that it all comes from grief. You know what? Maybe your loved one is still here, right? But the way that they function in the world is totally different. Maybe they've had a stroke. Maybe their memory's changed. Maybe they're in hospice. That's ambiguous loss, right? You've lost something. They're still here, 
but how they function in the world with you and the existence that you know is different. And you're grieving what was, and you're grieving what you hoped for. You know, and, and divorce, divorce is another big one. There is grief experienced when you get a divorce. All the time in behavioral health, I've heard after you lose someone or you get a divorce, that first year, that first year, be very careful to take care of yourself, to pause when you need to pause, and do exactly what David is modeling for us in the Psalms, to create space. But you know, grief can also come from a seismic change in a familiar rhythm or getting something that you expected, but yet it did not happen. Grief can come from that. If there's any parents in the house, and I see that there are some, parents, last year, every time you had to tell your child, gathering after gathering, week after week, party after party, was canceled. You had to see the look on their face. That's grief. When we went into spring break, I didn't realize I needed to check in with my daughter's grief, and I was really excited about spring break this year, and she was like, oh my gosh, is the same thing going to happen as last year? She was experiencing grief, and we hadn't checked in on her, right? Did you have plans, good plans, good vacations planned for 2020? That's good. Canceled. Grief, right? Frustration, anger, disappointment, it all is grounded in grief. Did you get a diagnosis that you didn't expect? Are you on a treatment plan? Are you in chronic pain, miscarriage? Did you want to be parents and things just aren't lining up? That's all grief. Loss is a universal language that connects us. But it is so important for us to take an inventory of what the storms have lost so that we can be fully present for what God is doing around us. So as we check in and create space, how are you really doing? Not the person beside you, you can probably answer really well for them. But how are you really doing? And some of you are doing great, and that's awesome. Some of you are unraveling, but you're saying you're doing great, and that's okay. And some of you treat social media like your personal therapist, so we all know how you're doing. And that's okay, that's okay. Now, I'm not suggesting that you treat your social media platform like your therapist, but just creating space for you to check in with yourself, like David did in his story and in the psalm, just creating space allows God to just move in a little bit and ease a little bit of your frustration and your pain. It's so important to create space. And you know, David understood this well. Up until this point in David's story, there had been a long and anxious struggle between him and he was anointed to be the next king and King Saul. And King Saul wanted him gone. And in this part of the story, David gets word that his best friend has died. Now, David is to become the new king. He had a lot on his plate. And not only did David's best friend die, but his dad died too. And that's a twist because it is actually King Saul. So that means in the political uproar and the chaos of an old king dying and a new king coming into power, David created space to grieve. He took an inventory of what was taken he paused so that he could be present for the next storm that was coming around. And we can see proof of this, and you don't have to go there. We'll put it on the screen. But it's in 2 Samuel chapter 1. This is kind of what it looks like. 
for David to create space, and he did it with stories. In verse 23, it says, Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothes you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. So not only did David create space for himself to confront the grief that he was carrying, the storm that he was carrying, but he also created space for other people to confront it as well. So if you're in here and you haven't experienced deep, painful loss, look around. Come alongside someone who is struggling with their grief. They'll get to experience God's presence through you when you do that. Another practical thing that we can that we can do once we kind of create space for grief and understand that it doesn't have an expiration date um, is we can discover healthy ways to process grief. In your message notes or on your app, discover healthy ways to process grief. Some of the most damaging things that I have heard people say who have lost someone is, I shouldn't be this sad still. Or, after all this time, I thought it wouldn't hurt so much. And if you've ever lost someone, you know that's just not true. Because grief doesn't have an expiration date. It's kind of like a time machine, right? When you experience something painful and sad today, it has the tendency to kind of link to the pain of the past. And that's why it's so important to confront what is within so that you can be present for what God is doing around you. You may not think it's a big deal, but sometimes the grief and the storms that we carry are the exact thing that is holding us back to become the person that God is calling us to be. We can fight it, we can fly from it, we can freeze in it, but with God's presence, we can face it. Discover healthy ways to process grief. You know what? David did that by writing and through music. A lot of us experienced a lot of healing and restoration, even as we worship together this morning through music. That's a really healthy way. But let's just talk about some unhealthy ways, okay? Um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and just look at the reminder that David gives us in verse 1 in Psalm 46 that says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help and trouble. That's a pretty healthy way to grieve, right? I'm in trouble, I run to God, right? That's real easy for me and you to say right here. Or maybe it's just easy for me to say, I don't know, maybe you. But when we leave here and life throws some nastiness at us, whatever we do in that moment directly following it actually tells the true story of where we actually run to when we are in trouble. David knew how to take the disappointment of life, the frustrations that he had with people, and bring it to God in refuge. And listen, the first parent that I lost, I did all the unhealthy things. And the last year of my dad's life, we had been through a lot together. He had gotten divorced from my mom of 25 years. I had started um, my very first job. I was 18, year old, 18 years old. Parents, do not do that to your kids. Let them get jobs earlier. Um, I was in college, and my dad had lung cancer. And it was spreading all throughout his body at a rapid pace. And so at 18, I was chauffeuring my, my dad around, trying to manage this young adult life that I had. And um, I was lost. I didn't know Jesus. I knew things about Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I only had a relationship with my dad. And at that point, my dad was the best example of a good human being that I had ever had. 
And because I was coping poorly with all of the things heaped onto my life, I created a lot of unhealthy ways to seek refuge in. I had developed quite a substance abuse problem. And for the last year of my dad's life, I, I didn't sleep a whole lot. And I remember getting the call that Cheyenne, there's maybe three hours, could be days, but it looks like hours. Um, and I went home and I watched my dad pass away. I was out of my mind when my dad died. Been up for days, weeks, couldn't tell you. And something that my dad did all the time that just gave life to me was when he was alive every morning, he would call me at 6.30 a.m. It's still my favorite time of day, and I still wake up naturally sometimes at 6.30 a.m., even just for a moment. And he would call me, and he would just talk to me about my day. He'd say, hey, Lidlin, what you got planned today? I don't know, Daddy, maybe eating a sandwich. Okay. Did you do what you wanted to do yesterday? Yeah, Daddy. Okay, Lidlin. Well, what else you got going? He just wanted to hear from me. I didn't have anybody in my life that was a grown-up that just wanted to hear from me. I had a lot trying to tell me what to do. Let me tell you how well that went. But he would just talk to me. And so after he died and I tried to get clean and I, I, I woke up and I realized that my daddy wouldn't be calling me that day or any day after, I could not deal. Couldn't deal. Couldn't cope with it. My solution, of course, was to never go to sleep again. And I journaled it. I slept eight times that year. I locked my grief away in a room, and I said, never will I return to this room ever again. Because I had poor coping skills. I didn't know how to deal with it. But here's what I didn't know at the time. When I locked the, the heartache and the brokenness away in a room and walked away from it, I also lost access to all of the good memories of my dad. I couldn't think about him. I couldn't talk about him. If someone wanted to ask me how he was doing, I was walking away by death. I was gone. We're not talking about that. We're not doing that. I flew away from it. But you know, some of us may be the complete opposite. Some of us may lock our grief in a room, but we lock ourselves inside of it with it, right? Because we just don't want to be in motion in the world without our loved one. It is so important to confront what is within so that we can be in motion in the world where God is calling us into abundant life. Discover healthy ways to process grief. Some other unhealthy ways is food, right? I've definitely had my son tell me, I've told my son before, baby, I'm eating my emotions right now. I'm eating straight from the ice cream carton. And he said, are you eating someone else's emotions too? <laughs> like we can all find unhealthy ways. <laughs> Temporary comforts to satisfy the pain of our grief, right? Maybe it's jumping from relationship to relationship. You know, if you've been through a divorce, there is grief that is stirred up in your heart that you need to confront to make sure that you don't take it into the next beautiful relationship God is calling you into. Grief can be like a silent partner in a lot of things until it needs attention, and then it becomes a noisy toddler, right? Confront what is within so that you can be present for what is around. We can fight it, we can fly from it, we can freeze, or we can face it. 
a very practical thing that we see David doing in verses 2, 3, and 6, and I won't read it to you again, but we're talking about, though the earth give way, that sounds bad, mountains fall into the heart of the sea, also bad, there is a river, oh, I'm sorry, uh, in 6 it says nations are in uproar, I think we can see that here, and kingdoms fall. So what David is doing right there, he's, he's actually taking an inventory of all the ways that the world has negatively had an effect on him. Have you looked around in the last year and a half and thought, wow, the world is really having a negative effect on me, right? How many of you have gone on a social media detox and said, oh, I'm not, looking at, I'm not looking at anything for a while? It's because the world has a way of negatively affecting who we are and what God is trying to do in our lives. Name your grief in your message notes. Name my grief. That's all David's doing right here. He's talking about the ways that the world is negatively affecting him. Because here's the thing about naming the things that you may be sad, mad about. We cannot confront what we cannot identify. Name your grief. And now, if you have lost someone, now remember, I have really terrible coping skills. I didn't learn coping skills until I came to this church, and I had a, a number of people, some of them close to me, some of them strangers, just teach me how to cope with grief in positive ways because it's important to do that in the tension of the storm. But if you have lost a loved one, here's a couple of things that I've learned from some great people in this church. Celebrate their life often and do it in hope-giving ways, life-giving ways. And it's going to look different from person to person. If you feel like crying about your loved one today, do it. There's never a time that you're expected to not miss the person that is gone. Allow yourself the space to grieve. Deal with it in healthy ways. Name it. Celebrate their life often. You know, we see David doing that in verse 23. He's telling stories about Jonathan and Saul in their glory days, right? And grief is so bittersweet, I get it. It's a, it's a heartbreaking reminder that there's someone that will be missing around the table at Thanksgiving, or around the tree at Christmas. But it's also a reminder that God had given you someone so amazing. And once you push past the discomfort of grief, you have access to celebrate them. You know, when my dad died, I couldn't talk about him for a long time, uh, but celebrating stories looks a little like this. This is my mom's table. She died in 2018. There's still rings from her coffee mug, uh, and she was a smoker. She had a she had an ashtray on the table, but I don't know if you've ever known some smokers. Like, she never ashed in the ashtray. It was always everywhere else on the table. Like, the ashtray was always clean, but there's always ashes everywhere. But if I can... I can reach out here and I can smell, and I can still smell the cigarette smoke, and I can smell her perfume, vanilla musk. I'm never washing this table. Y'all can think I'm filthy all you want. That's fine. Um, but I can still smell her presence, all of it. And I know it may sound weird, but that's hope giving to me. This is a key that was a skeleton key to my childhood home. And so I plant ways in my life to be able to celebrate my parents. And this is a, this was my daddy's, morning shirt. This stressed my mother-in-law out so much to make a pillow out of his shirt. <laughs> but every morning, he would put this shirt on before he would get ready for work. He would sit out on our patio 
in a chair that still is at my house. He'd smoke his cigarette, and he'd cook his eggs over easy and make his coffee on a gas grill right beside me. Find ways to celebrate the life of the people that you're missing. And before I had things, all we would do is just um, eat a meal, eat my dad's favorite meal on his birthday every year. There's some great families, incredible families in this church that know how to celebrate the life of the ones that have passed. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Another thing that we can do when we've lost someone is speak their name often. Speak their name often. And I learned this from a woman. Uh, She had lost her son. And I could have really candid conversation with her. And so one day I just asked, because it was coming up on on his death date. And a lot of families don't celebrate the death date. They celebrate the birthdays, but not the death date. Um, But I knew that that was a hard date for her. And so I asked her, I said, hey, what's the hardest thing? And I asked permission. I said, what's the hardest thing other than the obvious? And she said, no one says his name anymore. (laughs) And that broke me because I thought about all of the times that in my ignorance, I didn't say their name because I thought just saying their name would cause more pain. And then I thought, oh my gosh, how such a small thing, but how much would I miss saying my children's name out loud if they weren't here? So speak their name often. Find circles that you can say their name and share stories. If your friends think it's weird, you need new friends. I'm just kidding, but maybe. But... (laughs) But find people that are comfortable hearing the hardest parts of your life. Like you need a safe place to be able to celebrate the biggest joys of your life. And also, you need a safe place to sit when you are dealing with the worst days of your life. David knew this well. In your message notes, number four, we've got to trust God with my disappointment. You've named your grief. Now you've got to trust God that's going gonna, gonna to do something good. Because God didn't cause our grief. God didn't cause all of the terrible things that we see. I just don't believe that's true about God. But God is your refuge. And he will not leave you or forsake you. And he will make something good out of something that is broken. I've been on the front row seat watching God do amazing things since I decided to follow Jesus in my late 20s. There is nothing God can't do with a mess. We just have to seek refuge. You don't even have to believe in God. Just try it, because talking about what hurts you has a tendency to help you hurt less. Trust God with your disappointments, or trust someone safe. And here's the thing when you start trusting. You discover that I am not alone. That's in your message notes. Man, there is something powerful when you understand that even though you were physically separated from your loved one, you're waiting for the other side of eternity, there is something powerful to know in the midst of trusting God with your disappointments that you will never be spiritually parted from them. Ever. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're connected to your loved one. I love what verse 
4 says in Psalm 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And now that's not talking about a literal river or a literal city. That's talking about the presence of God that runs through you, through everything. So that means that the refuge that we seek is as close as our own heartbeat. We have 24-7 availability to the presence of God, to the shelter of God. We have unlimited access to be able to share with God our disappointments and our frustrations. Because there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. A couple more practical things that we can do when grief is our companion, and it's just be still. Verse 10 says, he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Oh, but that's so hard. You know, if you've, ever, if you've ever buried a loved one, you know that the pace of moving them into the next phase of their life is chaotic and crazy. To be still is not something we are conditioned to do. In fact, you've probably all thought about what you're going to have for lunch at least once today. Because we just can't be still. And we definitely can't be still and sit in our vulnerability and our hurt and our pain. Nobody wants to do that. But it is so important to confront what is within so that we can be fully present for what is around. Be still and know that I am God. A very practical way that we can be still and know is just to spend time with God daily. Spend time with God daily. And the cool thing about this is, is you don't even have to be certain about God. You just need a place to talk about your disappointments, to share in your burden, to share in your joy. Trust God with my disappointments. Spend time with God daily. Okay, church, take a deep breath. You made it. Listen, unchecked grief can keep you from what God is trying to do in your life. It just can. And I remember um, when I locked the door to my dad completely away. Um, my depression grew by the day. My thoughts got darker and darker. I would sit in my car when I would get home at five o'clock and I would cry until I could get it halfway together so I could walk in and be 50% present for my beautiful family that God had blessed me with. On the weekends, I would sit in the corner of my room and I would cry because I didn't want to take the house hostage with my sadness. Ultimately, I thought there was something completely irreparable in me. And then I walked through the doors of this church. And I sat in front of Pastor Judy Madden. And I said the same old things that I've been saying for years in therapy, right? And I expected the same old response that I had gotten before in therapy that ultimately led nowhere. And Judy said something that I thought was absolutely crazy. She said, Cheyenne, I don't think you've grieved the loss of your dad. And I said, of all the things that can be wrong with me, that's not it. That's definitely not it. And she smiled that beautiful Judy smile at me. And she said, oh, Cheyenne, burying and grieving are not the same thing. Going through a storm and dealing with the storm in positive ways is not the same thing. I have been frozen in my grief since 2004, and I didn't 
even know it? Are there some places in your life that you are frozen where God is trying to unleash you? Sometimes we just need to remember that Jesus is in the boat, right? You're in his presence now. But when you leave, Jesus is in the boat. His presence goes with you. I think about that, song, uh, that in the gospel where Mark in chapter 4, verse 39, the disciples and Jesus were going out on a boat. And there's a super crazy storm, right? And Jesus, and the Jesus way he is, is just chill, sleeping on a cushion. And the storm is like crashing waves over the sides of the boat. And the disciples are freaking out. And the disciples finally wake Jesus up and they're like, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? How many of us have been in the pain of our own lives wondering, God, do you care if we drown? Do you care if we drown? And Jesus got up and he said, to the waves and to the wind, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. Some of you have a storm in your life that you're carrying. Jesus is in the boat. Some of you have had a storm that you've walked away and you don't want to deal with it. It's okay. Bust it wide open. Jesus is in the boat. Like God's refuge and shelter is as close as your own heartbeat. That means he's here with you. He goes with you. He prepares a way for you. Jesus is in the boat. What we're going to do right now is I'm going to pray for you, but after that, we're going to give you some space to confront what is within. Because God's calling you to an abundant life. You don't want to miss it. It can be as small as a frustration or as large as losing someone you love. We're going to create some space right after I pray for you to confront. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that you are an ever-present help in trouble. God, we know sometimes trouble comes to us. We know sometimes we create trouble, but God, we just thank you so much for being in the middle of all of it. And God, for those that are sitting in grief right now, reeling the loss of a loved one, and a shelter that they can seek safety in. God, I pray we all find safety in your presence. God, and for those that are just still reeling from the changes that pandemic has just brought to our lives, to our faith, to our personhood, God, I just pray that you help everyone adapt. God, we just thank you for being our constant. Even when we're all over the place, God, you are constant. We just thank you that because your presence is with us in all of our trouble, that we're going to be okay. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.